Earlier this morning, Amazon founder Jeff Bezos took off in a Blue Origin rocket, the second billionaire to launch into space in as many weeks. What does this mean for commercial space travel down the road? I'm Roger Chang, this is your Daily Charge. Here to talk about billionaires flying in space is CNET science editor, Jackson Ryan. Jackson, thanks for joining me so late in your time zone. I know it's what's midnight in Australia right now, right? Yeah, it's just ticked over midnight, but it's okay because I like to stay up and watch these things anyway. I would be up and I figured why not just shoot shoot, shoot it a bit with Roger. He's going to have a good time. We're going to talk about Bezos. Let's do it. There you go. So just offer a quick recap to our listeners who may not have been catching it live. What happened this morning? Well, uh, a CEO, uh, entrepreneur uh, who was born in 1964, Mr. Jeffrey Preston Bezos, he, he launched <laughs> to the uh, to the edge of space on a rocket that he helped bankroll pretty much over the last two decades. Um, that rocket was built by his his uh, space tourism company, Blue Origin. It's a rocket that's called New Shepard, and uh, sort of on top of that rocket sat a uh, sort of a gumdrop shaped crew capsule and a. About six people can fit in there, but today there was only four, and, and Jeffrey was probably the most notable one of, of those four. Um, and essentially, this rocket went straight up in the air. Um, the capsule that was on top of the rocket disconnected from the uh, the rocket itself and then spent about three or four minutes essentially just floating through the air um, up above the Kármán line, which kind of is this invisible boundary between Earth and space. Then it dropped back to the Earth, and, uh, I mean, really in total, the flight lasted <laughs> it lasted about as long as a tea break, really. Like, it was only 10 minutes from launch to when the crew capsule actually landed back um, on solid ground in West Texas. But, I mean, I think it was seen by a lot of people, and it was obviously a big event, a big um, moment in, in history for the sort of commercial space and space tourism sector. Absolutely. It was it was definitely a thrilling event to see in person. But I, I was somewhat surprised by how sure like, I, I, I knew it was it wasn't going to last long, but the, the duration of it did somehow surprise me. Kind of like so just sort of a weird thought like, oh, this is a momentous occasion and it's it's over already. So, <laughs> yeah, um, it is. It is a little bit weird. And I think actually one of our colleagues, John Skillings, he, he said it was like the, the world's highest and most expensive carnival ride. And I kind of get that feeling <laughs> a bit. That does make sense. So, um, yes. but, but it's, it, it's not actually for me, not so much about how long it lasts, but essentially just what will happen eventually is this will happen like so routinely that it won't even seem like that five minutes won't even seem like a short time either. It will kind of feel like a carnival ride in the end. Mm, but anyway. Mm. Well, that's a good segue because I, I did want to ask about what, what the applications were for this. Because, I mean, I, you, you know, you're basically looking at a, a billionaire who spent just loads of money making a rocket go up and down, you know, in space <laughs> for a few minutes and then back. And there is part of me that goes, well, okay, what, what was the point? So, like, what I guess what are some of the applications that, might that excite you about like what can come from this yeah i mean there's obviously like quite a lot of talk about you know how these billionaires should spend their money and and that kind of thing and and that's totally fair and i think quite a reasonable thing to to um discuss but one of the interesting aspects of this that probably doesn't really get talked about at all is that suborbital flight that suborbital flights that go up quite regularly actually provide like a platform for science experiments. And you might be, you know, the cynical person would say that, you know, we could do these experiments elsewhere, potentially on the International Space Station, for instance. But scientists and researchers can actually, um, both with Blue Origin and Richard Branson's Virgin Galactic, they can actually put science experiments on these um, planes and rockets and send them into suborbital 
uh, you know, into microgravity and test various things. Like you can test fluid dynamics in microgravity and, and fluid moves differently. As, as you know, if you see anything in space, crying in space is different. Like fluid moves around differently in microgravity. So it's interesting in the um, sense that what could happen if these flights are occurring more commonly is you could like essentially repeat experiments over and over again, which is like the core foundation of good science is being able to repeat something over and over again. And the other thing to add on to that is that you can chuck a scientist in the actual crew capsule because you don't, at least with Blue Origin, you don't need a pilot actually on the ship. That They've built it so you don't need to have someone who's actually controlling what's going on. So the scientists can sit in there and monitor the experiment as they go up and come down. And while you might think like, oh, that's a five-minute like journey, how much can you really get out of it? Well, again, like on the um, in terms of like re- reproducing uh, an experiment over and over again, it actually is quite important. I think it's been missed a little bit because there's such a like billionaires doing cool things or billionaires doing things that they shouldn't be doing sort of vibe to this. But there is actual science that can be done even in these short flights. Like we send balloons up to space with little like attachments on them to just monitor the weather. Like there, there right. are practical applications from a, from a scientific perspective. Now, if you, if you look at like applications from a wealthy person's perspective, well, it's really just, it's a joyride, right? It's a joyride. I mean, we can't, there's no two ways about it. Well, yeah. And you, I want to talk a little bit about new Shepard, the rocket itself. You mentioned that it, it doesn't have a pilot. Like how does that work? And wouldn't you be freaked out sitting in the capsule that, basically flying on its own and coming back down on its own? <laughs> I don't know. Would you be freaked out if you were flying in that I mean, capsule? I think I would be freaked out in general, just, <laughs> just seeing the acceleration and the speed and the, the altitude. I would be freaked out. But the fact that there wasn't a human pilot, uh, I find, no, I mean, it's, it, freaked, it would freak me out personally, but I find it fascinating that like, mm-hmm. they opted to go the autonomous route. Yeah, I think what like New Shepard's really cool in this way. And like, if you recall Richard Branson's um, flight just, you know, a couple of weeks ago on Virgin Galactic, he was in basically a space plane. So that essentially works like, you know, like a really souped up sort of commercial jet that you'd catch from New York to San Francisco. Like, it's basically the same thing, but with a rocket engine on the back. Now, New Shepard is a lot more rocket than plane. And so the team have like really deliberately built it to be controlled entirely from the ground. Like from the ground up, they've built this machine to be controlled from the ground. So, and there's like obviously a little bit of computer magic that goes into that whole process. And it, it goes even, you know, over my head. I, I didn't really have a great handle on that process. But what what is interesting is what I mentioned before is that it really frees up this extra seat in the capsule, right? So if you don't have a pilot, that's one more paying customer. So to look at it, look at it, in that cynical business sense, I mean, there's another, there's another, however many hundreds of thousands of dollars. But what actually is interesting, I guess, in what you were just saying is like, think about what a pilot might actually be able to physically do in flight. I mean, there's not a whole lot that a pilot could actually do here. There's not a whole lot of steering required. So if you're going straight up and down, it doesn't actually really make sense to have a, a pilot in this in this crew capsule anyway. And controlling it from the ground, I mean, I think, again, like another one of the cool aspects of that is that you kind of have the ability to just say, all right, the computer's got this and we can do this over and over and over again. And we've done it 15 times, now 16 times. And it's worked perfectly. So would you try, like my computer opens up Google Docs 
99 out of 100 times at the moment. So, I, you know, I feel pretty safe opening a Google Doc, for instance. I know that's simplifying things a lot. But, you know, in terms of like whether I would feel safe with that, I think I personally would feel as safe as having a pilot there or not, at least in this specific circumstance. Right, right. Once it's got those reps, the idea that this thing is, I mean, it has one purpose task and it's doing it well. Yeah. Don't have to worry about it. Right. So I want to talk about, you know, obviously Bezos launched, you mentioned before, Virgin Galactic founder Richard Branson launched earlier. Why are all these launches happening now? Is it it just a matter of like the two trying to like one up each other or just the the timing work out that these, these projects were all done around the same time? Yeah, I think it like it is a little bit of that, and it's kind of like I, I guess there's no special reason like per se that it's happening in 2021. Um, I mean, I, I will know obviously today it's 52 years since Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin actually stepped right. foot on the moon, so that's like right. quite you know that's a great anniversary and, and something that I, I guess speaks a little bit to the history. And then we're kind of today looking forward to the future of what space travel might be, but. Um, I guess it just so happens that Bezos and Branson's sort of rockets were sort of ready to fly now. And that is just, yeah, it's kind of coincidence because Branson had, had been trying just as long as, as Bezos to sort of get off the ground and had a, you know, a massive setback in 2014 um, with uh, a fatal fatal accident on on his um, space plane. And that kind of set things back and they, they closed down the um, ability to buy tickets on that. Um, and they've been trying to iterate and it just so happened that it came up at this time. Now, there is the whole idea that Bezos announced that he would be doing this on July 20 and then suddenly Branson was like, well, actually, we're going on July 9, so right, right. I'm going to be the first billionaire in space. And, I mean, that's not even true. I swear, I, I can't remember where I read it and um, someone needs to fact check me on this, but I swear that neither of these people are the first billionaire in space, even if they went this year. I swear there's been other billionaires who have... Um, either bought tickets on uh, a flight to the ISS or oh, have visited. Like through, uh, I feel like yeah, the, Space uh, Adventures. Yeah, one of the, like the, wasn't there like a Russian venture that did that or the Russian space program was able to auction off? Yeah, yeah, that's right. And they're still do- um, still doing that. Like um, there's one like sort of a semi, like there's a private company that sort of says, all right, we're going to buy you a seat on this rocket and you can go to the ISS. And it's actually happening um, later this year with uh, Yusa- Yusaku Maizawa, who is um, a Japanese billionaire who who owned uh, founded Zozo Town, which is like a, a clothing company in Japan. And he bought a ticket on the um, Russian Soyuz spacecraft to go to the ISS and just hang out there. And he's also the same guy who's going to jump on um, Mar- uh, Elon Musk's SpaceX Starship and eventually fly around the moon um, with all these artists in 2023 if uh, Musk's timeline holds out. Right, right. Well, this thing, this is right now, as you said, a thrill ride for billionaires and maybe multi-multi-millionaires. Do you get, do you have any sense of like when this might actually be a thing that maybe not for everyone, but that is a more realistic uh, option for folks who aren't, you know, billionaires? I mean, that's very, I think that's a long, long way down the track. Um, and I guess the thing about this is that it's always so important, I think, to, you know, to educate people on the fact that this is very wealthy people doing splashy things with their cash. And I think it's completely fair to level criticism at them about that. Um, you know, I don't necessarily agree with the, the pylons as such. There obviously is a lot that you could uh, criticize um, Jeff Bezos for. There's a lot that you could criticize Richard Branson for, um, especially when it comes to 
you know, workers in their in their uh, you know the, the, the com- huge companies that they they have founded. Um, I think it's always important to keep that sort of stuff in mind. But getting back to the question a bit, it's like I can't see a time in I guess in the next the next decade really for me where I'd be able to afford something like this. But I guess the overall goal is to start kind of re-inspiring people about going to space and getting to space and using space as um, a way to get around because like while we talk about Bezos and Branson today, Musk wants to do point to point travel in his rocket. He wants to send people up in, you know, in Australia and set them down in the U S 20 minutes later. It's like, that would be great. Cause I can meet you for lunch. I can do this podcast live, but you know, I don't know that I'm ever going to be able to pay for that. Um, um, Maybe I can sneak some sort of ticket via via CNET, but we'll have to wait and see. <laughs> That's right. Well, we'll have to review that rocket for sure. Whatever, <laughs> right? We do a full hands on impression. Yeah, that's uh, right. Well, Jackson, thank you for your time. You can check out our full Blue Origin coverage on CNET.com. If you have any questions, hit us up on Twitter at the Daily Charge, or sign up for direct text messages from me by heading to CNET.co/slash/DailyCharge. If you like what you heard, please rate and subscribe to the podcast. It really helps us out. For the Daily Charge, I'm Roger Chang. Thanks for listening.